Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest. You might actually be the first person to come on twice, I think. Sean Matson from Matt Bach and Hydromax and so oh, man, I don't I'm not gonna list off all the companies you're involved in because that would take all day. We got we gotta get to the show. The podcast the podcast would be over by the time you're done. Yeah, I know, right? It's like uh it, like a fucking king of England, like, oh the first of his name and blah blah blah. Um out of Virginia Beach, Matt Bach LLC. Uh, you got a lot of stuff going on over there, but first, let's uh, catch up a little bit. What have you been up to lately? Man, uh, obviously with with Matt Bach right now in a fiscal year, so it's it's like tax season for us right now for accountants. So it's like, you know, you never know when you're gonna get a phone call. Uh, Zach was on a call this morning at 2 a.m. with Australia, trying to get them to to you know give us some uh, grant money for uh, the generator that we we just we just released um where we finally got the the approval to release it um and and it's just like that though it's like constantly every day you never know it's like 10 at night four in the morning you know customer calls once once a quote once this or trying to give you a, a credit card and it's like hey my money runs out tonight at midnight i need to i need to spend five thousand mm. dollars all right well we can help you spend that yeah i know right <laughs> oh man uh you know We've both worked in the government before. <clears throat> it, does, it definitely works like that. I've had chiefs tell me like, oh, we can't, uh, we got to spend a bunch of money because we, we won't get that money next year if we don't spend it. I'm like, yeah, but doesn't that mean we don't need it? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, you know. The, the I mean, to, to no surprise, I mean, everyone, everyone's, you know, unless you've lived under a rock for our last 18 months, um, you know, the, the, the DOD budget has been the same, but the guys are getting a lot less right now because a lot of that money went and re got reallocated for Ukraine or other stuff like mm. that. Right. And so, uh, I know multiple units have like, Hey, we want to buy this. And then like a week later, Hey, like, Nope, I just got, yeah. you know, 300,000 just ripped out of my account. Like so, new, new gear or, uh, you know, it, it even comes down we had this issue, uh, not, not us personally at the 82nd cause we pretty much had, uh, as much as we wanted, but a lot of the units, the other units in the 18th Airborne Corps, like uh, Third ID and shit like that, would have to budget out the the their training because they couldn't buy round like ammo and shit to go out and train. It's like that's unacceptable, yeah. dude. Like that you can't. And we're we're running into that now. Um, you, we, <clears throat> but we over the past are. three or four months, we there have been multiple news stories like, oh, we're our inventory is running low. Like one, why would we let that happen? And two, why the fuck would we publish that information? But <laughs> yeah. either yeah. way, yeah. And then then you have these uh, knuckleheads like Cocaine Mitch over there talking about how we need to do this this war in Ukraine so we can uh, stock up on our surplus materials, use our own stuff, and like. Are we just, this isn't canned vegetables, right? You don't right. just start a war to get rid of old ammo. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's, that's anyways. Uh, so well, yeah. And, and, you know, to, to that, right. Like it, it, it affects one thing, right. So mm -hmm. like maybe like, a, you know, I think they're, I think the biggest thing that they've been talking about is like the one Oh fives or, or, mm -hmm. or you know, like some of the larger munitions. Right. But then, you know, I've talked to some vendors for like 40 Mike, Mike, it's like, what, what do you want? Like, I've got a machine that could just print endless amounts of this stuff. If, you know, you want, uh, you know, 
million rounds of 40 mike mike no problem you know but it's like the the some of the weirder stuff like that where it's like mm-hmm. not applicable for what's going on over there right sure. like having a 105 round you know things like that but it's like um like can can we just get them to stop buying those and buy 40 mike mike rounds like if we if we can if we if we don't have a problem making those like let, let's let's start selling them 40 mike mike rounds yeah but that's because you actually fought in a fucking war you go to war with what you got you know what i mean and if yeah. we got more 40 millimeters then that's what we're going to use right a mark yeah. 19 yeah. is a pretty good weapon fuck yeah it is <laughs> i would I mean frank frankly i would rather have uh, a mark 19 than artillery personally but i'm a we're fucking we we like to kick doors in i don't i don't want to i don't want to be well there is something to be said for uh indirect and ordnance for battlefield sure. prep and stuff like that but I don't know, man. They're they're fighting the war. I like think, it's but World I think at the phase still. that I think at the phase that they're in in this mm. stuff, right? Like that that was that was cool at the beginning, right? Mm. You soften some targets, you allow the ground force to start coming in and doing that, their stuff. But like now, I mean, I I haven't been over there, so I can't yeah. say that you know necessarily can speak from experience. But you know, the feedback that I've received from people and conversations is it's, it's a lot more intimate now, right? Like, you know, you're seeing less of the news reports of, you know, some of these shellings and things like that. So it's like, you know, the 40 mic mic round would be a hundred percent applicable mm. now where, you know, at the beginning of the war, it, it, it may not have been right. Like it's just, it doesn't have the range to it, but you know, it, but I know, you know, to what you were saying earlier about the, the, the training budgets and all, I mean, all, literally all of that stuff is getting reallocated, changed and, and moved around from and sw- swiped out from guys. And mm. I mean, these aren't just, these aren't just like general purpose forces. These are like SEAL teams, mm. you know, damn that guys, Delta guys, like these are like top tier guys that are having their budget just yanked. Even, even on what's scary is even on like, even on things like, the medical side, right? Like, uh, you know, log suit medical or, you know, one of the medical divisions and things like that, that, that procure like medical litters, uh, IFACs for guys mm-hmm. and stuff like that, getting budget, they're just like pulled. And it's like, Hey, uh, we, that's kind of like, like, Hey, maybe they don't need the newest plate carrier, but they sure as hell need an IFAC, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> need to make sure that they've got an IFAC. So you're hearing this from, uh, tier one and tier two people that their budgets are being cut as well. That, that to me, that, that sounds uh, unprecedented, to be honest. I don't think we've done that before. And and is the reason that we're doing it because there's been a drawdown in our overseas activity, which is true, or is it because so much is being diverted to these other areas? Right. I mean, you got to wonder about that. And and I mean, I think it's, I think it's some of both, right. I mean, I, I think that, you know, but, a lot of those guys are still a lot of those guys are still out you know and they're 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 deploying right um are they doing DAs no but they're still going to need like i said you know medical equipment like like it doesn't matter if i'm in garrison you know working out of an embassy or you know kicking down doors i need medical mm. equipment and medical uh products so like that that's that's where to me is like the scary part it's like again like not necessarily do they 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 need like the the newest plate carrier mm. that just came out by first beer or whoever cry or whatever like I, I can see like hey we're not spending the money on some of those things 
right? Um, you know, use use the two year old one that you've got, and and you'll be okay um, for at least another year, right? Uh, but um, when it gets into some of the medical stuff, that's that's where like it's like, ooh, like, yeah, it's weird, man. It's like I, I <laughs> one of the aside from all the other reasons that we shouldn't be trying to provoke World War Three. I, it's just hard for me to accept his argument that Ukraine is a strategic fight for the U.S. when the result of it is weakening our readiness. You know what I mean? Like, we're not even directly involved in that stuff, and we're weakening our own readiness. It was different in World War One and Two, right, when we started out just supplying our allies with, with food and munitions and shit. Like, this is... the the There isn't a world war environment on Earth anymore. It just doesn't work that way anymore. You know what I mean? There aren't, like... Yeah eight countries that are going to fight seven countries. It just doesn't work like that anymore. We are, uh, <clears throat> the way we use our military, just all over the fucking globe these days, man, I, it's, it's wild to me. I got to be honest. I've, always, I've made this point for a long time. Like, well, if your weapon was unserviceable, you would get that fixed immediately. But if, you're, if, there, if there's dudes under your command that are unserviceable because of, physical or mental health issues or whatever it is, we kind of let that go. Like, I'd just suck it up. You wouldn't tell your 416 to suck it up. Like, oh, my 416 keeps jamming. Oh, suck it up. Suck it up, soldier. Like, no, get my shit fixed, dude. Yeah. Um, and it's this, like, bullets, beans, and medicine. That the, You cannot win wars without those things. Yeah. And so I well, hopefully we don't get into any more wars anytime soon. But if we do, I'm not feeling too hot about it right now. Um <laughs> just the state of i don't know i don't feel like even people in the military right now are confident in our military capabilities not just in our capabilities to to prosecute a war itself but our capabilities to collect good intelligence and make good decisions about which wars to prosecute you know what i mean i think i feel like there's an overall general malaise amongst both veteran and active duty people about our the current state of our military and i'm not sure how you get back out of something like that. I mean, I, I well, guess it, we could look at Vietnam and how we kind of made our way back from that. Um, like the Gulf War was pretty popular, yeah. more or less pretty popular, and, and we executed it pretty well, the first Gulf War. But I, I don't know how we do that again. Well, <clears throat> I think, you know, that something to think about too is like right now in the time of history that we're in, a lot of the guys that are at that, <clears throat> at that, you know, 06, 08 level, you know, E E E eight E nine level. Mm. You know, command master chief. You know, um, command sergeant major types. Right, they were all in the heat of the mm. Iraq Afghanistan war, and that's right? different than it was. Hundred percent. So, in two thousand one, when we started in Afghanistan and O two in Iraq, most of our field grade officers and staff NCOs did not have combat experience. There were some people yep. that got some in Panama and Grenada a little bit in the Gulf <laughs> War, but that was pretty much it, man, except for some super older guys who were maybe involved in Vietnam. But they were yep. well beyond the the command structure at that point. They were more just, you know, consulting if, if, uh, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so this is pretty unique now, right? Yeah. And and then at that at that middle level, right, you've got some guys that may have seen something but probably the the broader majority of that kind of the, the meat eaters in there, right? They most likely probably only saw a couple months of anything. Mm. You know, they they caught some of the tail end of 
the Iraq Afghanistan stuff, right? And then you, and then obviously all the new guys, they've never seen it, right? They 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 never got a chance to see any of that, and so you have this huge difference of of experience mm. in there. And then also, you know, I think that I think part of why we're having uh, you know a problem with recruitment, right, is every recruiting video, every recruiting you know person was probably in that later part where they're like, dude, we were kicking in doors and we were out every night and blah, 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 blah. And so that's what they, they get sold. But then they go and do a reality check of there's no war going on. Like that's not going to be what I get to go do. And, and then it's like, if that guy's going <laughs> to sell me this load of shit, like what else are they going to lie to me about, yeah. you know? And it's like, and it's like, not, I've always, I've always, when I've had conversations with like ROTC units or uh, like going back to VMI and talk to them or just, you know, high school kids and stuff like that. Like, like if, if you want to go in the military, hundred percent, like, I think that's like, I, I, you know, I hope you go do that. Right. But I also tell you, if you think it's going to be like call of duty, you're fucking wrong. Like yeah. it, it's not going to be, like be prepared to have your hands tied behind your back in a lot of situations and to play a lot of a, a political chess game right and it's not going to be where the united states is the lead element in this it's all like everything even at the top tiers it's like how do we get the 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 partner force i mean like mm. you know we, we saw that at the tail end of of what we and so Fast forward another, you know, eight, almost 10 years from that, you sure as hell can believe that it's all now like partner force, partner force. How do they get, how do they do, how do we enable them to go do what they've got to go do? So we're not even in the picture, right? Yep. Yeah. It's interesting uh, because that's why I got out. Our next two rotations were going to be to go train afghan or iraqi police or army i'm like nah fuck that i'm not doing that shit i mean that's <laughs> that's dumb so I, I get it from that point like you you're, you're trying to recruit meat eaters like hard chargers people that are and it is what it is some people are suited for that kind of stuff and some people aren't and there's nothing you can do to make somebody who's not suited for it suited for it i'm, I'm yeah. I, I don't believe that that's possible but um <clears throat> it is a unique problem now because how do you maintain readiness for some, you know, real global threat, not ones that are just fabricated like we like to do, um, without that sense of purpose already being intrinsically built into the mission now? You know what I mean? It's tough. And I think it's uh, been historically tough as well. I was doing research for this article I'm writing for Newsweek, um, and I read this report called uh, An Historical examination of military records of U.S. Army suicide, 1819 to 2017. And what the researchers found was that during the height of World War II, suicide rates were three times lower than they were in the mid-30s when no war was going on, right? And that happened again. Uh, the, the suicide rate began, it dropped precipitously all throughout World War II, and then it went up again <clears throat> in the late 40s and then went down way, way down again when the Korean War started. So what does it tell you? It, for me, it tells me that it isn't the, the combat or the trauma that breaks men's souls. It's a lack of purpose. You know what I mean? I, I, really, I really do believe that to be true. And I think the data 
backs it up all the way back to a hundred years ago. This is not, this is not a new thing. Um, because you know, the, not that it's their fault, but, uh, the citizen class has this idea of one of us, our buddies bleeding out in our arms and that just fucks us up for the rest of our life. You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not at all what it is. You know what I mean? There, there, certainly there are some examples of extreme traumatic events that people don't deal with that cause them problems down the road. But most of the people I know that killed themselves and it's way more than the people that died in combat, uh, probably by a factor of three, to be honest. Um, it was like they were just lost as a human being. You know what I mean? And if you, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, but I mean, you, you see that, you see that with just even like guys trying to go find jobs and other mm-hmm. things like that because they're 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 bouncing around from job to job to job right because in exactly that they just feel like it's a dead end job making a paycheck like they, there's no sense of that purpose um I, I will say like one of the things that really during like you know covid and some other things like when i'd pop on to uh clubhouse or some of the other things like that and there would be like some of these like veteran like groups in there and you know, one of the things that I would also say is, though, like, like while it is a problem and while there should be, you know, support mechanisms out there, it's also on the fucking individual to mm. go, like, like, stop, stop sitting in the corner and saying, woe is fucking me mm. and and get up and go, go, go do something right. Go, go use your training and networking skills like like you're not a dumb person you're not someone that just sits in a corner just waiting for a handout right Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't have survived in the military you wouldn't have gone to go join the military if you were one of those people so stop acting like you're one of those people just waiting for a handout right like and if you don't know if it's the right answer or not what has the military taught you just go try something and learn from it Start, do your AAR yeah. and just keep rinsing and repeating. Start, and it's like, start your necessary movement. It's in the fucking, yeah. it's right there. You know what I mean? I mean, every, every mission you ever went on, did it go hundred percent right? <laughs> no. Right. I mean, one, we laugh yeah. at it, but you know, we laugh at it, but like you would like, you know, and all the, all the cliche sayings, you know, like, like Hey, uh, give me 96 hours to plan a mission. It's going to take me 96 hours. Right? Mm. Give me one hour to plan a mission. It's going to take me one hour. Give me, give me 10 minutes. It's going to take me 10 minutes. And and no matter if I spent 10 minutes on it or 96 hours on that mission, I'm going to have the same end result at the end of the day. Uh, there's going to be things that were successful in that mission. Mm-hmm. There's going to be things that weren't successful in that mission. But it's what you do after that mission that helps set up for the next one. If you just take, you know, like, if you if you take all your all your mess ups on that mission and do nothing with them, well, you're an idiot. Right? Sure, yeah. Like I mean, you know we we, you know, and as painful as the, the AAR process is or hot wash or whatever it was, you know. But like, hey, th- those are super important to make sure that you can keep getting a little bit better. Sure, yeah. Even I mean that just, that's that's like the the soft infantry mindset, you should always be trying to improve the, your position, right? And and the best yeah. way to do it is through the pain of experience. It's not always painful, but the good experience usually is pretty painful. I mean, the ones that you really yeah. learn from. And that's why, I mean, I, to your point about not sitting around waiting, one, we've conditioned people to do that because the civilian and government response to post-traumatic stress has been 
to uh, tell us it's okay to coddle us, to pat us on the back, like, oh, I support the troops. That is not now and hasn't been and never will be the solution to this issue. The, you, yeah. the, you have a highly trained, highly disciplined individual that is just in a chaotic period. What they need is a fucking job to do. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why I, I tell people all the time, like, your service didn't end just because you took the uniform off. You're still a patriot, right? right? You still love your country. Find some problems around you and fix them. That's your job. And you've got a skill that most people will never be able to have or even understand, and that is the ability to remain calm under pressure. You know what I mean? To make yep. good decisions in, in, in pressure situations. And if you think that's just unique to combat, I'm telling you it's not. Like in, in the business world, people make stupid, rash decisions that fuck up their businesses all the time, emotional, whatever it is, right? Uh, or ignorant, they didn't look into things enough, or you trust the wrong people because you didn't do your due diligence. That happens every single day, right? But you are almost, you almost have a superpower in that regard because you've got a pretty good bullshit detector and you don't freak out when the fucking pressure's on. So you got to use that stuff, not just for yourself, but like to the benefit of other people. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wide uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for us, drink it, bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything, Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one toolkit. This summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. I talk about this all the time. Uh, if you're not like me and just eat primarily meat, you want to actually feed your family like a normal human being, um, HelloFresh is a great way to do it. All the ingredients, as is in the name, are fresh, uh, proportioned out, 
you know, you can, it, they're also pretty flexible on how you can order things and things like that. Um, uh, you can reach your goals with delicious calorie smart protein rich foods and dinner options. If you're stuck in a recipe rut, I know a lot of people get into this. One of the biggest problems people have with eating healthy is they get stuck in a rut. They get tired of eating the same thing over and over. Well, take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes per week that you can choose from with options to please even the pickiest eaters. If you've got some in, the, in your family, your children or something, you always find meals for everyone at the table to enjoy. Um, Ross has used this for years. I've used it in the past. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, the food's really good. The recipes are great. They're super simple. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to save you time from the grocery store. It's going to save you money because, uh, believe it or not, it's uh, relatively inexpensive. And it's going to make sure you're eating right. One of the biggest barriers to this stuff, I'm telling you, is having junk food in your house, not having other better options, or getting bored with the, the food that you're eating. And this is going to solve all those problems, HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Citizen16. That's Citizen16. And use the code Citizen16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's uh, HelloFresh.com slash Citizen16. And use the code Citizen16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. And uh, uh, let me know how you like them. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh <laughs> My wife and I were having this uh, conversation. She was like, you know, like for me, like I, I'm probably very similar to you. Like, like yes, I will do some due diligence, and yes, I will think things through. But generally, I, I, I act more than I think about things through. Right? She is, she is very analytical. She will sit there and think of every possible outcome of even just saying something to the kids. Like, like no, you can't do that. I'll just be like, no, not right now. Right? And she will sit there and, and think about like, okay, if I say no, this is what this is going to have, you know, uh, emotion or whatever. And she's like, well, that gets you in trouble sometimes. So I was like, yeah, but also it helps me to, to just like do better for myself. Right. Cause like, I, I, okay, well maybe that wasn't the best thing, but then I, I will do internalize it and try to figure out next time. Okay. Same situation. Like how do I do it rather than just always sitting there like i'm not sure what the what the best path is right but i i, I mean like you in business and other things like that like I, I i've i've always um i don't know if it was part of the military training or have just kind of been like that right mm -hmm. like some of it's add right like it just uh, i just have to be knocking things out and being done with them and and moving on to the next thing just and being task oriented yeah and, and not even if it's a hundred percent solution. Um, but you know, because ultimately I'd rather have that movement than, you know, being stagnant on something. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it's just recon by fire, you know, like, you don't yeah. like <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? you just walk into the Hornet's S to see what happens and react, but it takes, you have to be confident in yourself and your ability to be in that situation to do it. And that's like it, people see it as risky behavior, but I don't see it that way. I, it, it is, yeah. it's certainly a risk, but it's not risky behavior. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're, I'm prepared to go be in that situation and not freak the fuck out when it happens. And so are all of you, by the way, cause you've done it before. Even if right. you were a fucking private and a machine gun team, you still knew like, it, <clears throat> excuse me, by the end of your 
service, you knew what to do. You didn't need much direction. It's like, all right, I'm going to set up in my OP. I'm covering my field of fire, overlapping with my guy over here. We're making sure we're communicating. All that stuff happens naturally. You know what I mean? Yep. And those you just can't learn those skills anywhere else. No. Um, no, and it, it definitely, you know, it definitely comes to like, you know, like obviously with, with that experience and some of that, you know, um, just time and service too. Right. Like, you know, like you, you don't, you don't have that confidence as a new guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that's something that just keeps coming. And in fact, actually, um, last week, uh, I got, I got one, uh, like group text thread with, with some of the guys that I was in a, and, um, we were in a troop together at, at, uh, the teams. And, um, so there's a couple of different platoons in there. And my uh, platoon chief actually just got on there and just kind of just sent a video out to everybody. And, you know, it was kind of like a, 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 like a little stump speech type thing. He was like mm. talking about how um, when he was a new guy, he was like, hey, listen, like, you know, when I was a new guy in my platoon, you know, we went and did this, you know, uh, FTX field training exercise. Uh, and it was like a, you know, like a, a week long thing. And mm. it was a couple of day SR and some land warfare stuff and all this stuff like that. And then they got back from it and they were doing their debrief and they were going around the room and talking about it. And, um, you know, he and a bunch of the new guys were, you know, sitting in kind of like this little pod together. And then you had kind of a, a, a smattering of the rest of like the old guys, you know, one platooners, two platooners, three platooners, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and they were going around and kind of just, you know, saying their individual, cause it was, it was all individual movement stuff that they were doing. And, um, one of the, one of the guys who was like about ready, I think he said it was about ready to put on LPO or was the LPO. He, he was at least a three platooner. He said, um, got up and he's like, I remember everything that he went through, but he was basically just, Hey, I had the wrong batteries. I had this wrong. I had this wrong. I did this wrong. And just laying out everything that he did wrong on this. And like, uh, Brad, uh, nickname, we call him the rooster. He was like, that just like floored me because mm. I was like, he did not have to say anything, right? Like he didn't have to say a word and nobody, like nobody would have thought anything different of, of the FTX, of him, nothing, right? But the fact that he would get in front of his peers and a bunch of new guys and everybody and just lay out every one of his flaws that he did he was just like, I, like that day literally changed my life as, as, you know, as a, as a guy in the platoon, you know, my first platoon kind of first exercise with, with my platoon. And this guy just lays out everything. And he was just like, what that taught me though, was not to be afraid of my mistakes and to own them. Right. And he was like, that changed me for life. And sure, it was yeah. just like, everybody in there was like, dude, how can we take this and just blast it across to the world right now? Cause this is what everybody needs to hear because it's just like, we're human. We're going to make mistakes, right? Like that, it, like, and, and, but it takes everybody else to help you get better and, <clears throat> and move on. Like, and, and it was funny cause just like, I don't know, about a week ago, I was thinking about this was like, I fucking hate the term like, self-made millionaire self-made whatever it's like bullshit there's no such thing like i heard a comment about this and it made me think about it afterwards i was and i was like it was like even jesus right went and found 12 of his best friends or friends to help give him guidance on stuff so like 
if Jesus <laughs> needed help, like, so do you, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's no such thing as that self-made whatever. And it's just like, it's such a, such a, a bullshit term to say, or like, you know, hey, I got here by myself. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I <laughs> that I appreciate most about um, having served in the military personally. Like one of the yeah. things that I really appreciate is because uh, we, even though we deny it, we try to be tough. And when you know when we we do disassociate, unfortunately, and clam up and try to solve our problems ourselves a lot, it never works. We know that it's not going to work in here. The, the reason we know that it's not going to work is because we've been in such extreme situations to have to depend on other people that we know in a way that other people will never understand how desperately we need each other. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the reason we build all these civilizations. You know what I mean? It, it's like it started. Let's let's build a camp and then put some guards around it to make sure the animals don't get in here and fuck us up. Then okay, yeah. let's now let's build a castle. Now let's build a wall outside of that castle. Now let's, you know, do so on and so forth throughout human history. And for some reason, the people that have been most active in that regard, doing those things, uh, uh, people that are you know in the military or government service, <clears throat> we we are the dumbest motherfuckers sometimes because we just won't ask for help. You know what I mean? We just refuse to ask for help. And it, help isn't always like hey. I'm depressed. I need some pills or I'm depressed. I need you to coddle me or pat me on the back. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I feel, and I'm I'm telling you, depression is, is purposelessness. That's what it really is. Ask somebody like, Hey, do you need my help today? Or do you know somewhere where I can, here's, here's some skills that I have. Do you know somewhere where I can go apply these skills? And I promise you a lot of people need help these days. And if you ask enough, you're going to find some people that need your help. Yeah, no doubt. It, 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 it is. And I mean, I, the, the purpose thing, and I mean, I know, I know, I mean, I, I struggled with it and I, I, we've talked about this in, 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 in the past before, uh, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily on, on this podcast or, or, or drink it bros, but I, I know, I know you've heard it and I, I say it on my social media, but like that it, the first couple of years out of the teams was, was, was hard for me. Right. Like, cause it was that I, I did not have that sense of purpose, right? Like the text messages from the platoon were gone. Like all the, all the, like all that stuff was gone. And I literally was like, um, one of my AOICs, my, uh, assistant officers in charge, uh, just posted on his, uh, Instagram today. Like, uh, he just finished law school and, and, and he's like first day of, of real work or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, but it, it, it's, it's funny because like, you know, that's where he wants to go and what feels like that now is like his next purpose and moving and, and that, like it, it, it was hard those, those first couple of years. And, and um, like for me, it was having a mentor just sit down and ask me, it was one question. And that, that one question has redefined everything is how I, you know, I, I, I schedule my time and everything. It was just like, you know, what do you, what do you want your tombstone to say? Right. And, and I know we've talked about this before and, uh, and, and I post about it, but it, it's my family and my work and my working out, right? Like those three things are what I schedule my time that I are like, basically my, like it, it unfortunately it's not spending time with my friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my friends, sorry, like you don't rank in those top three unless it's with my family. 
you know, unless it's like work stuff or like us working out, right? Like it's those three things come first. And then, you know, that's what, when I schedule my time, that's what goes on. And those are like my non-negotiables. Like I, I, I try very hard, you know, if, if, if my kid has a, a baseball game or a softball game or, you know, you know, younger kids have something like I try very hard to be there for that event and, and not let that, not let, um, something else impact that. Yeah. I think, uh, it was, I think Yogi Berra used to say some, he, he had a lot of weird quotes, but it was like 90% of the game is just showing up, you know, um, which is, you know, to be honest, that's another good way. I, you know, as far as finding your purpose again, just throw yourself into something. Um, Plato, you mm-hmm. are not Plato. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Gandhi used to say that if you want to truly find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a, it is a general statement and maybe it's true for everybody. Maybe it's not, but I do think it is a commentary on how, you know, we all do need each other to some degree. Right. I mean, not just mechanically speaking to build stuff and to be the, the teller at the bank and all that bullshit. You know what I mean? Like we need human connection and you have to prioritize it. Like you said, there are non-negotiables and should definitely start with your family. I know, uh, you know, Chad, Chad, Wright. Um, yeah, he's a lunatic, but he, one of the things he says a lot, he's an animal. oh yeah, he's a, he's a psycho. Um, <clears throat> one of the things he likes to say, one of the things he likes to say is that the smallest form of government is your family, right? Yeah. Like that is a, something of a command structure, if you want to call it that, that based on how you view that, it will inform all the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like the way, and it, like if you have, if you don't have a spouse or children, still you have a family. Like there's some, there's a, I talk about this a lot, but there's a psychological principle called Ken selection, Ken, like next of Ken. And right. it is the process by which you decide who ranks in those non-negotiables for you. Right. It's yeah. like, doesn't necessarily have to be a relative. Sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's something else, but that's how it's done. And regardless if you have a family or not, a, li- a literal family or an immediate family, as we like to call it, you still do that. Like your brain is yep. wired to do that shit. So recognize it, you know what I mean? Yep. And be selective about who you let in there because <clears throat> there are a lot of people that will take advantage, but there's also, you can't let that make you cynical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if we all just, it, it's like voting. I, I know voting in this country is kind of fucked up right now, but if we all just stop, then that's, we, we lose. Quitting yeah. equals losing. Like yeah. when, when you you can, you, you can, or let, let me rephrase that. You can lose, you can fight and lose, but you only fail when you quit. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's kind of the whole purpose of uh, every selection process on earth. Don't quit. Yep. That's it. Like if you can get yourself, but there's a lot of implication there too, right? Like if you show up to buds, 40 pounds overweight, you're probably going to quit because your body can't handle yep. that shit. You know what I mean? So it isn't just, it isn't just the power of the mind in the moment to be resilient and not quit. It is being aware enough to prepare yourself to go into that situation. You know what I mean? So I think yep. these are all like really critical parts of being a, a good, efficient, and purpose-driven human being in society that people that have been through the military process and in a, in a, a, lo- a lot of ways and through first responder process as well, you have that advantage over everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something you should definitely utilize 
not just for yourself and your family, but, you know, for the betterment of society. Well, you know, I mean, you talk about first responders, right? And it's, it's it, like their, <clears throat> their hardest, you know, thing on, uh, on afterwards, right? Is the same stuff we, we struggle with. And it's the exact same thing that you were just talking about is that purpose, right? Like if they know for a fact that they joined in, they are doing that for a purpose, right? Like they are very service oriented uh, human beings where if you take that away, whether whether it's it's forced or whether it's you know on their own accord, that you take that away from that person, they will struggle. Oh yeah. Right. Without without another you know purpose you know filled type job hobby whatever it is that, that needs to fill that void. But you know they're they're going to struggle without that. I mean, just think of any retirement ceremony you've seen for an athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. They played a game and at 40, 42, 43 years old, they quit playing that game and do a press conference. And it's a, it's an alpha type grown man weeping because he can't play a game yeah. anymore, but it isn't about the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's no. about organizing your life around doing something that matters to you. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, you got to do that, man. There's just no substitute. There's no pill you can take. They'll substitute that. There's no drink for it. There's nothing you can smoke and there's no, uh, there's no version of therapy that's going to make you okay not having purpose in your life. It just does not exist. Yeah. No, and that, you know, like I know my son, my 10-year-old, he, he, like he, he's getting ready to turn 11 here in a little bit, but he has this goal to go play in the MLB. Like he wants to be a professional baseball player. And, you know, I continue to tell him whether, whether it's, when he's 40 years old or when he's 18 or even when he's 15, baseball is going to come to an end, Hmm. right? Like it does not matter how good you are, who you are. Baseball will come to an end. Some, some people get to play longer than others, but everybody has that end point. And it's, it's exactly what you were talking about that, right? Like, it's like, like right now, baseball consumes his life as a 10 year old. Like he, like, and it's cool to see as, as, you know, obviously as, you know, a dad, but I've also like tried to tell him in that it's like, I'm, I'm in this sport as much as you're in it. Right. Like, I'm not going to be, especially at 10, right. Like mm. I'm not going to be sitting there like, Hey, get out there and go hit, get out there and go do this. The, the one thing that I will say that I do push him on is arm care, mobility, and, and, and some of those things. And, and the, and the only reason that I do that is because I know if he wants to play till he's 40, like he has to take care of his body now to do that. Right. Like there's just no ifs, ands or buts. I mean, it's, you know, and I don't know if you watch any baseball uh, or I think you're more a football guy. No, so, I'm, I'm a baseball uh, guy. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were football. Is that just, um, <clears throat> all right. Well, so like, Atani, right? Like, mm. like, like, arguably one of the best baseball players we'll probably ever see in our in our in our lifetime, right? Um, incredible on both sides, you know, pitching, hitting, everything else like that, right? From things I've seen and read, you know, he basically ignored some of these pain to keep playing. And hopefully to make this, 
get through this season to get the big paycheck mm-hmm. that he was waiting for, right? And guess what? He's not like he like that just cost him a whole year. Like next year he's going to be out. Well, he won't be able to pitch. He'll be able to hit probably, but not pitch for sure. Sure, um, but he still won't be. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, like obviously, I mean there have been guys that that get through, but like yeah, but if he gets Tommy, I mean this has just happened this past year with Bryce Harper, right? Yeah, Um, and he went. 140 at bats without a home run. This is a guy that averages 35 plus home runs yeah. a year, right? And that's yeah. so it's going to be a diminishing return. To your point, that's it, that's absolutely yeah. correct. And, and and it's it's going now. Thankfully, it's not anything worse, mm. right? But but he could have had an injury that could have been career ending too, right? Like, you know, it, it, and that and and that is my you know I guess when I say like you know again non-negotiable with him like I'm not going to sit here and say hey man you better go you better go practice you better go do this you better go do this mm. I will 100% to tell him like hey like you <laughs> have to take care of your body right mm-hmm. like he he is he's um he's like five he's 10 years old he's 5'2 and like 105 110 I mean he's a he's a big kid for a 10 year old I mean he, he's still in elementary school and like it's crazy when you see him and like the other kids on the baseball field that it's like this, but mm. he, he, he throws really hard. He hits really hard, but I'm also like, it doesn't matter if you don't take care of your body, right? Your body is not, your, your body is not going to take this abuse. Right. I mean, like it's all we, what, you know, we got preached to when we were in the teams and in the platoons and stuff like that. And like every nutritionist and, you know, recovery person would always like, Oh, you got to do this. It's like, I'm I'm that guy now to him. It's mm. like, dude, like, like, I know you love getting up, like, cause he he religiously will get up in the morning before before school, and go do his hits. He will hit the tire for uh, working his bat speed, mm. hitting off the tee, like he religiously will do it almost every morning before school. And I'm like, you have to get that same discipline. <laughs> in your mobility and like arm care mm. and those things, or, or it doesn't matter, you know, how hard, how hard you could throw a ball or what you play position wise. Like if you can't get out there and play. Yeah. It's important to, I mean, those are just good habits, you know, to start yeah. at the youngest possible age. Cause, and it's the same thing. Like you're talking about something really specific with your kid playing baseball, but map that on to like just standard diet and exercise for a kid right because if you feed your kid junk food when they're young that's what they're going to want when they're older i promise you that um you know and it's like good habit forming like that is there's just no there's no replacement for it and i feel like you know we keep going down these (sighs) we keep thinking we can outsmart nature you know um, yeah. and like, there's going to be Ozempic for, oh, don't worry about working out. We'll just take Ozempic. Like there's not going to be yeah. some kind of some, some price to pay. There will be some price to pay for that in the future. I promise you. It's like every time we do that and try to outsmart nature, why didn't you just do the right thing in the first place? You know what I mean? It's yeah. so much easier to do that with way less risk. Um, but, and I, and I think that's one of the, aside from the general purposelessness that we see in society today, I think that is a huge part of all the nihilism and depression that's going on. People think that, <clears throat> like, well, they, they promised me that this would work, and it's not working. It's not filling 
the the whole the purpose hole I have inside me. This Xanax this isn't working. This Zoloft isn't working. Why is it not working? Then you become more and more. To, aside from just the chemical reactions going on in yep. your brain, you, it just it, it snowballs out of control. Yeah. It's like no, you got to take charge of your fucking life, dude. Like you, I mean, th- this isn't some rah rah motivational speech. This is just basic sociology or human psychology. You've got to take control of your life, and you'll feel better about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it it is, and I mean, it's <clears throat> like I like, and probably like you, right? Like I, 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 I will, I will go, I will go eat Doritos if I want some Doritos, right? Mm-hmm. But I am not going to sit there and, and crush, you know, uh, a party-sized bag of Doritos every day after work, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's, a, it's a rare occurrence to do something like that, right? Like, it's like, you know, it's like one of my, one of my buddies uh, who uh, got out of teams and um, he has this, like, incredible ice cream, like, line. And, and like he makes everything with like local, local ingredients. So like if they, um, for example, like he'll lose, use like local bakeries or when they do, um, like they've done like a strawberry one, like strawberry season was not too long ago here in Virginia beach. So he'll, he'll go and actually like hand pick the strawberries from the local farm and then go put it in his ice cream. It's like, I, I, I will 100% support. 100% support something like that. You know, granted it's ice cream, but it's a, tr- it's a treat, right? Like it's, it's not something that I'm going to eat, you know, every single night. And, and even if I did want to eat it every single night, I'm not going to sit around and, and not do anything about it too. I'm sure. going to work out a little bit harder, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, look like, all right. Eh, last night was a little bit like off my kind of normal routine. So like, I got to make sure I go thrash myself yeah. in the gym. Treat, treat it like a checkbook. You know what I mean? Not that, <laughs> yeah. not, not that we That's do that. Check and check the balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not that we yeah. do checkbooks like anywhere, but yeah, it's, it's debits and credits. <laughs> That's it. That really is all it is. Like, yeah, uh, if you, hundred percent, uh, I, all these diet fads and all this other bullshit that's going on. If you want to lose weight, put yourself in a caloric deficit, the end yeah. and you'll lose weight. Yeah. Probably yeah. somewhere between, if you do it in a, in a healthy way, somewhere between like half a pound a week somewhere somewhere around there is usually pretty healthy that and that's just how it works if you burn two to five hundred more calories in a day than you fucking eat then you're gonna lose weight that's the that's the tried and true method throughout all of human history so why are we trying to do it in a way that uh that you know why are we trying to fuck with nature again man just you know the recent studies that we've seen from a lot of these physiological programs is that just walking around at a moderate pace for 10 to 15 minutes a day will prevent heart disease. And yeah. still people are getting heart disease. It's like one of the biggest killers in, in America is heart disease. We still get yeah. it. It's like you don't have anybody to blame except for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I understand back in the day in the 1950s, the, the federal government, the FDA lied to us about pretty much everything. But we, every, all the information is available now. Stop. So wait, wait. Yeah, they're still doing that though. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't trust anything the government says. <laughs> but there's, <clears throat> but there's now at least now you can at least you know you can you can do some of your own research and actually go find mm-hmm. you know things that that you know debunk some of that stuff, right? Like, and the 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 one thing, and you know, I know we've talked about the nutrition side of things. The one thing that does drive me absolutely just like nuts is when I see 
like some of the people I follow and different things like that. And, and, and when you see like the ingredients for you name it, like Oreos or something like that. And, and like the American version of Oreos and the UK version of Oreos. And you're just like, those motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> like, like why, why do we have to have, you know, 700 different <laughs> ingredients in oh, there man. when like, you know, it's like, like half really, of the half of the shit we eat is banned in Europe. Like no shit. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. if you shop in the middle aisles of grocery stores, there's yeah. a there are at least seventeen ingredients that I can think of, not off the top of my head, but seventeen for sure that I've seen. Uh, uh, I've seen the amount listed as seventeen that are common in American foods, processed foods yeah. that are completely yeah. banned in, in most of Europe. It's like why yeah. we, dude. If you can't pronounce it, don't put it in your body. If it didn't exist a yeah. hundred years ago, don't put it in your body. Actually, maybe yeah. 200 years ago now. We're, we're getting old. Um, but, yeah, it's like these are, these are really simple problems to solve. Eat real food. Walk yeah. for 15 minutes a day. If you can't figure – if your schedule is so jam-packed that you can't find 10 to 15 minutes just to walk around a day, then you might want to loosen up your fucking schedule. Or stop watching – binge-watching three hours of whatever you know, yeah. Netflix series that you yeah. got in the – Turn on a podcast and put, put your headphones in yeah. and go walk or something. Uh, yeah. let's, we, we're getting, uh, deep into the show here. I want to talk about your, your new shit going on with Matt Bach here. So you've got this, yeah, um, uh, Wankel or Wankel. Is it Wankel or Wankel? Probably yeah. Wankel. So <clears throat> Wankel is the engine that we use. And so these are, uh, used over in Germany, um, as like auxiliary power units for, uh, like locomotives and, you know, trains and other things like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really neat um engine um and what they've been able to do in terms of power production and stuff like that but this is uh, a special one that they built us um that runs on jpa diesel whatever um and we've taken that and it was a it's a I, we've talked about this before was like you know we obviously medical gear and other mm. things like that on the mapbox side of things and then you know last year we won a contract to do a, a electric hybrid vehicle for the army right and it's like what what are you doing there um but at the end of the day where we see it is is i i they're they're 100 is an application for being able to go silent right like i could think of you know 15 different <laughs> missions that I was on where, you know, going, going silent would have saved us a lot of heart. Oh my God. Right? Can you, can you imagine not having to do like a five click offset and fill? Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Look, I know we're supposed to train to be able to run, you know, or, or at least force March, uh, five to 10 clicks into a, onto an objective and then assault and then get the fuck out. But I would rather not, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, exactly. I'd, I'd rather use my GPS than my mm -hmm. compass, but let's make sure we've got the compass. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Apologize. All that. So, you know, obviously like the, be, being able to go silent, right. We, we saw, uh, you know, where there's applications on the battlefield to mm -hmm. go silent, but <laughs> what I was actually just getting ready to get into, and that was actually a perfect uh, <laughs> kind of segue into that was the demand for power has never, never been greater than what it is right now on the battlefield. Like, right. Everything requires not just some power, so much power, mm -hmm. right. Like, everything we were relying on from tablets to new goggles to, you know, all these things are requiring more and more power, but, um, you know, our ability to produce that power continues to just be, um, 
incremental where like some of these leaps are just exponential. And so um, Zach, my business partner, um, you know, for about three and a half, four years has really been, had, 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 he's, he has a mechanical engineering degree, mm. but his just brain just works different is how do we, how do we use an internal combustion engine to get us more power, which means we've got to get more efficient with that engine. Mm. And so the Wankel is one, um, we've got another one that we're working on as well, but, um, to kind of put it at scale, the generator range extender, whatever you want to call it, that's on the back of this JLTV that we just released. Uh, that thing only weighs 240 pounds. You know, your typical fob or base that was running like, and that could produce 40 kilowatts worth of power, which is a ton of power, yeah. especially in that that size. It's about a little bit bigger than a Yeti cooler and only weighs 240 pounds. The next big leap in human technology, I think, is going to be able to shrink um, computation size and also batteries, like energy storage size. That'll be the next big leap, probably. Um, and I was, I was just saying, Sean got booted off, by the way, because there's a storm nearby him. But I'm going to finish this this episode out. We had two half million watt generators, and they were the size of like they. It, it was we we were in a four story building, and they it was about three stories high each one of them. And this is obviously not quite that large. Um, but it's <clears throat> the size of a small cooler. And this, this is one of the good things about, um, you know, technical ingenuity from the military. It's like GPS, cell phones, the internet, all that stuff was developed because of, uh, because of the military. And then, you know, think about practical applications. If you can have something the size of a Yeti cooler at your home, that can produce 40 kilowatts of energy. That's a big deal. That's a big deal in emergency situations if in, there's some kind of uh, attack on the energy grid or all that stuff. So it's really important. So, you know, go check out Matbox. They have a bunch of other, all kinds of stuff. I actually use a Matbox uh, plate carrier. It's one of my favorites. It's light. It's the lightest plate carrier I've ever used. Um, <clears throat> and Sean's a great dude. You know, he's been on the show a bunch. You guys all know him. Go check out his stuff. Go check out Matbox. Go check out Sean Matson. And, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're feeling like you don't have any purpose, go find somebody to help because that's how you're going to deal with it. Um, and, uh, you know, look out for each other because it's, uh, it's tough out there these days. And uh, thanks to Sean for coming. Thanks to Matt Bach. Um, go check out Hydromax too. It's a good product. And uh, thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.